For the past four years, mythology has brought history's greatest stories to life, taking us to fantastical lands, introducing us to otherworldly characters, and giving us insight into how our ancestors saw the universe. Today's episode will be the last for mythology, but rather than saying goodbye, I think it's cause for celebration, celebrating four wonderful years and the best listeners we ever could have hoped for. Without you, our incredible fans, we never could have explored so many extraordinary stories. It's your support that allowed us to keep creating, and for that, I thank you. I'd also like to thank everyone behind the scenes who helped make our show each week. This truly was a team effort and a labor of love for all involved. But like I said, this isn't goodbye. With over 200 episodes in our catalog and updates on the horizon, there's plenty of mythology to dive into. Be sure to check back next week for a very special Thanksgiving episode. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone here at Mythology and Parcast, thank you so much for listening. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected the stories that are most entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into medieval British traditions. Our versions may not be the myth you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy them. And be warned, today's episode contains depictions and discussions of sex and suicide. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. My dreams are strange. They call me somewhere I don't know. I sit in a tree at the heart of a lonely forest. I see only the dark green shadows of plants growing beneath a canopy that never lets in the light. And I cannot move. Kiss me again, Lancelot. Just once more. And then we'll sleep. I could never disobey a command from you, my queen. In this dream, I am not weak or tired. On the contrary, I feel an unfamiliar strength, as if I will live forever. But still, I cannot move. I hear the sounds of the forest around me, so... Familiar, they are almost part of me. And in a sense, uh, they are. In this dream, I am no longer Merlin. I am the tree. Gwen, how does it feel when we kiss? Do you feel that too? It feels almost ridiculous to say... After just one night together. Say it, Gwen. You don't need to feel ashamed. Like I could sink away into you, disappear entirely, and still be exactly myself, exactly where I'm supposed to be. It feels like home. I do not know when my vision will come to pass. I do not know how or why, but I feel it in my bones. 
My time is running out, and without me, Camelot is doomed. Sin and evil plague her from every direction. They will rot her from the inside and destroy everything I've built. Unless I kill every viper in the nest before I'm gone. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This week, Lancelot and Guinevere navigate their forbidden passion, while Merlin sets out to destroy their affair. For this love, he believes, will bring about the downfall of Camelot. This harsh view of the lovers was not always present in the story of Camelot's most famous romance. Christian de Troyes, the 12th century writer who introduced the Lancelot-Guinevere affair to the Arthurian canon, never connected it to the downfall of Arthur or his round table. In the world of courtly romance that guided his writing, to love a married woman was an edifying experience for a knight. While not every character in Chrétien's poem approves of adultery, the text itself doesn't condemn it. As the Arthurian legends wended their way out of the French courts and across Europe, the Lancelot-Guinevere drama went with them. But Chrétien's open-minded attitude towards infidelity generally did not. Instead, the affair was filtered through the lens of Christian morality, and soon it became a crime with horrific consequences. Coming up, new love is beset on all sides. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Merlin! Merlin! Are you all right? Sir Lancelot knelt beside Merlin, holding the wizard's hand as his eyes rolled back and his face turned white. His grip was cold and hard as iron. Sweat beaded his brow. Lancelot had seen Merlin fall into visions before when the wizard visited his mother in Avalon, but Merlin had never seemed quite so distressed. 
Just as Lancelot began to wonder if he should go fetch someone to help, Merlin's eyelids fluttered, his pupils rolled back into place, and then they fixated on the young knight by his side. <gasps> you show Nimue's cub, the human child she spirited away to Avalon so many years ago. What, what are you doing here? It's Lancelot, Merlin. I've been here at Camelot for some time. Don't you remember? Oh, it's coming back. Your mother sent you to join Arthur's new order. And now you've started an affair with his wife. An affair? Why would you say such a thing? Don't play dumb. I've had a vision. I'm not. Uh, I, uh... It's really none of your business. It's a personal matter. Between her and I. And Arthur? Oh... Oh, this is terrible. Worse than you could ever know. I've seen the consequences. This will be the end of Camelot. I... I don't see how that can be. Wait, does it have to do with the woman who set the trap for me at the castle of King Pellis? Perhaps she's the danger you speak of. I didn't just start this affair with Guinevere without thought, Merlin. I resisted, I assure you. But someone tricked me. Tricked you how? This enchantress, whoever she was. She enchanted the Lady Elaine to make her look like Guinevere. Somehow, she knew my most secret desires. <sighs> Morgana. Disaster on every side, and now... Morgana? You mean that sorceress that tried to assassinate Guinevere? Of course! She must be behind this. Merlin hauled himself to his feet, taking his staff in one hand and Lancelot's arm in the other. He pulled the knight away from the castle towards the stables. Listen to me, Lancelot. Never mind Morgana. Leave her to me. But I promise you, the downfall of Camelot, the utter ruin of everything we're trying to build, that will be your fault. If you keep up an affair with Guinevere, I've seen it. I... I know I did wrong, but I'm going to make it right, Merlin, I promise. I'm going to tell Arthur, my feelings for Guinevere go beyond lust. It's fate. The king has to understand. You don't seem to be understanding me. You have committed a grievous sin, and we will all suffer for it. If we have any hope of avoiding disaster, you must forget this ever happened. By never touching Guinevere again, and by making sure Arthur never hears a whisper of it. Merlin, you know I can't just forget Guinevere. I know you do. I've seen you with Nimue. My mother is precious to you. The way you look at her... Even though you walk separate paths, even though you come from different worlds, you love her. It is the same with Guinevere and I. Our love cannot be governed by the laws of men or the expectations of court. It is greater than all of that. Purer, truer. Can such love truly be wrong? Merlin turned towards Lancelot, narrowing his eyes. Then he sighed, deep and slow, his expression softening. Uh, I, I am sorry, Lancelot. I can't tell you why the wheel has turned this way, but you came here to serve the world of men, 
to make it a safer place for what's left of your mother's kind. We both serve something greater than ourselves. You must not make the selfish choice. Think of Nimue. Do not let her world die. Lancelot stared back at Merlin. He swallowed. But then his eyes started to glitter, and he nodded. My purpose is to serve. I will try to do what's right. But I can't see Guinevere. My heart will break. Please, just explain to her and tell her every quest I pursue, I do it for her. I am her champion forever. She... she will always be my home. Tell her, Merlin. With that, Lancelot turned on his heel, marching the rest of the way towards the stable. Merlin watched him until he disappeared behind the wooden doors and heaved a sigh of relief. His efforts had worked. For now, keeping Guinevere in line would be a bit more difficult. She wasn't one to think the greater good was more important than her desires. He'd never thought she belonged in Camelot. But she was here now, and she was proud. A smirk cut across his wrinkled face. He pulled a quill and ink from his robe, followed by a scrap of paper. Leaning the parchment across the back of a tree, he twirled a hair in his beard, tapping into his creative side, and his memories of teaching Lancelot penmanship when he was a boy in Avalon. Then he began to write. My queen, I write to tell you that I have left Camelot. Upon awakening this morning, I realized that we had committed a grievous sin by lying together. I felt dirty and wrong. I am afraid I cannot bear to look at you. You who tempted me to sin. I leave for a quest at once. Of course, I will still serve as your champion, as honor dictates. In fact, I intend to forget anything untoward ever took place. I ask that you do the same, and never again seek my affection. Otherwise, I will have to abandon Camelot forever. There is no home for me here. Yours, most sincerely, Sir Lancelot du Lac. Guinevere dropped the letter to the floor. She almost dropped to the floor herself, but instead she laid her palms against the solid stone wall, swallowing the bile rising in her throat. She'd woken feeling blissful, expecting Lancelot to be by her side. She'd never felt so close to another person, like he was a part of her very soul. And then she'd found the letter slipped beneath her door, and Lancelot gone. I led him to sin? How dare he? Does he forget that he first lay with Lady Elaine while she was in my guise? How was that my fault? If he wishes us to play our little roles, so be it. He may be the White Knight of Camelot, but I am its queen. I will forget Lancelot if that's what he wishes. The feeling of his breath against my neck, how I felt in his arms. I will forget that he even existed. And when he does return to Camelot, he will regret that he ever let me go. 
Merlin watched from a distance as Guinevere marched through the halls of Camelot that morning, the tilt of her chin a notch higher than usual, and the look on her face nervous and lost. Good. The letter has done its job. She won't take Lancelot back easily now. <sighs> Young lovers really are very predictable. But there is still one rogue element to deal with. Morgana. The girl still has Arthur's scabbard, which makes its wearer impervious to harm. If I have any hope of defeating her, I must understand its magic. And who better to consult than the one who made it? Oh, I only hope Nimue is in the mood for visitors. Hurrying out the doors of Camelot, Merlin tried not to think about his recent vision. He hadn't just seen the end of Camelot, he'd also seen his own future. It had been a strange, surreal vision, more sensation than image, the smell of wet soil, the feel of rough bark against his flesh. He didn't know what it meant exactly, but one thing was clear, he was running out of time. My doom races towards me now, and all the pieces out of place. I must act quickly to reset the board. Before I can never act again. Coming up, Merlin searches for aid in Avalon. Now back to the story. The Lady Nimue peered into the waters of Avalon, running a long finger across her sharp jaw. For days, she'd watched her adopted son, Lancelot, fight recklessly. He went after troops of bandits alone, without any apparent strategy. He failed to don his helmet as he faced the axe of a brutish barbarian. And now he was riding alone towards a castle held by some rebel lord and a small army of men. He's been brave to a fault since he was a little boy, but I taught him to respect his mortality, to be wise and graceful in the face of danger. Something is wrong. Lancelot rode towards the castle gate. The swarm of men on the walls and in the courtyard failed to pull up the drawbridge, instead laughing at the foolish lone rider, as if one knight, however skilled, could defeat them all. Still, he rode, wild eyes blazing through his visor. He plunged into the fray. Lancelot drove his lance into the crowd. His sword flashed through the air like a shard of light. The blood sprayed across Nimue's pool. The men scattered below his steed. But then the white beast was red with blood too. She was falling. Lancelot was on the ground, surrounded. A sword swung towards him. But as its tip ran across his chest, he leapt to his feet, spinning like a tempest. The men around him fell. The wild look in his eyes grew wilder. 
As the last of the men around him fell, Lancelot dropped to his knees too. He pulled off his breastplate and looked down at his chest to see red blossoming there like a flower. As he crumpled to the ground amongst his fallen enemies, a young woman ran from the castle, her arms outstretched. And there, Nimue's view was interrupted by a stone hitting her pool. She looked up. Merlin, what are you doing here? I'm sorry to interrupt. I wish I could say I was here to watch the waters with you, but I don't have time to waste. Morgana is interfering with Camelot, and I'm afraid she's had some success in pushing it towards ruin. I need your help finding her and defeating her, in spite of that dratted scabbard you gave to Arthur. The scabbard? The one that housed Excalibur. She's stolen it. Has she? The young witch is wise indeed if she knew to take that relic over any others. Most of her kind would steal the sword, but then most of her kind are fools. But I cannot help you now. My son is in danger. I must make sure he is all right. Nimue held out her hands over the current. The water went so still it looked like glass. And then the images resumed. Lancelot was no longer in a courtyard surrounded by the bodies of his enemies. He was lying in a chamber. The young woman who'd come to his aid crouched over him, cleaning the wound on his chest. The cut is wide, but it's shallow. You'll be all right, my lord. Don't waste your poultices on me, my lady. It's no waste, sir. You retook my father's castle from that usurper. You killed all his men single-handed. The hope of that revenge is all that's kept me alive these years. I didn't know if it would ever come to pass. You would have every poultice in my workshop if it would help you. You're... you're Lord Bernard's daughter, the Lady of Astolat. Yes, I'm surprised anyone remembers. How could we forget? The story of your family's slaughter was a tragedy. Are you the only one left? Yes. I'm so sorry. As am I. Sorry every hour from waking to sleeping. I know nothing but sorrow, except what you've given to me today, sir. Oh, my lady. I'm so glad I came to your castle. My heart aches to know your pain. I... I feel something like it. How like it, sir? Are you also alone? A tear rolled down Lancelot's cheek as he met the Lady of Astolat's somber gaze. Slowly, he nodded. She reached out and grasped his hand. A tentative expression took over her face. Perhaps there's another chapter for both of us, sir. A way to forget that we're each alone by being together. Stay here by my side, as Lord of Astolat. It's a good place, I promise you. We can make it a home again, rather than a prison. Lancelot looked at her for a long moment, as if imagining a quiet life here with this sweet lady. But he shook his head. My lady, you are good and kind, and I see there would be beauty in a life with you. But... I cannot. 
There is a lady I love that I cannot be with. Our union is fated to end in ruin. And yet, she's all I can think of. Back in Avalon, Nimue's expression turned steely. She turned to Merlin, fixing him with a piercing gaze. Fated. Who has been telling my son of fate in the land of the mortals? Merlin. Uh, um, yeah, well, yeah, yes. I was going to tell you, certainly. One of Morgana's schemes was to entangle Lancelot with Guinevere. There would be terrible consequences, which I explained to Lancelot. And that is why he's been trying to get himself killed? Well, I had no idea he'd take it this harshly. You know I'm very fond of him. Let me make sure I understand this correctly. You and your chosen king have turned Morgana into an enemy. You've allowed her to abscond with the scabbard I created for Arthur. All this after you let Arthur lie with his own sister. You've so thoroughly lost control that you're seeing visions of disaster everywhere you look, and your solution is to blame my son? It's, uh, more multifaceted than that. Don't let your love for Lancelot cloud your vision. My vision is clouded. Merlin, I gave you and your king a chance because I trusted your intentions. I even sent Lancelot to help you. But why should I believe in you now? Your plotting and scheming has helped no one. That's a lie. More of Britannia is united under Arthur than ever before. Please, Nimue, don't lose sight of the larger picture. Don't patronize me, old man. Nimue pulled herself straight, her bright eyes glinting down at Merlin. It was a gaze that had made the bravest knights weep and sent whole armies fleeing in terror. My people cherish true love. They cherish beauty. There was a time when I saw a spark of that beauty in you, Merlin, but now, now you seek to rob my son of his happiness. You would make him an instrument to bring about your designs just as you have done with Arthur. But my son is not a tool. It's not so simple. I... I've had a vision, Nimue, about myself... My time is running out. I'm not sure how or why, but I've seen myself trapped inside a tree. It's one of the strangest things I've ever foreseen, but I sense it drawing nearer every moment. I'm not sure who will do this to me. Someone with powerful magic, surely. Perhaps Morgana, or... Or... Nimue, you wouldn't. In a movement so quick that Merlin had no time to react, Nimue seized his arm. His body froze like the stunned prey of a snake. You see how your prophecies work, Merlin. By following them so doggedly, you make them come true. A violent wind whipped around the pair, swirling with the smell of fresh pine. Before Merlin could move, a number of roots shot from the ground near his feet. 
The roots wrapped around his legs, then snaked up his torso to bind his outstretched arms. Merlin was thrust into the air, suspended by the still spreading roots, so that he dangled helplessly above Nimue. Please, Nimue, I I know you're angry, but don't do this. Not while I'm so close to everything we've worked for. It is thanks to my affection that I indulged you long as I have. I see now what a mistake that was. This land has been corrupted by men, and to expect men to undo the damage will only lead to greater ruin. Just a little more time, and when Arthur no longer has need of me, you can bring me back here, punish me however you like. I'll come willingly. I'm sorry, old friend. I'm afraid you've had long enough. I will take it from here. Coming up, Camelot is free of Merlin's schemes and his warnings. Now back to the story. Lancelot marched along the banks of the river that ran between Astolat and Camelot, horseless and dejected. He'd hated to leave the lady of the castle alone. The expression on her face when he'd told her that he had to go was too hopeless to bear. He'd tried to reassure her, but she'd turned away, pale as a sheet, and waved him off. And so he'd left her for the slow walk back to Camelot. He told himself it was just to procure a new horse, then he'd be on the road again. But perhaps he might also catch a glimpse of his love, even from afar. If he could just see her long, bright hair, her flashing eyes, catch the faintest hint of her melodic voice. A morning song interrupted Lancelot's daydreams. Confused, he glanced down at the river flowing beside his path. A small boat was approaching from a distance. One woman, the singer, sat in the back of the vessel. But as it approached, he saw another lying along the bottom of the boat. Pale, hands crossed over her breast, clutching a lily and a scrap of parchment. The Lady of Astolat? Lancelot scrambled down the riverbank, waving frantically at the singer. The woman nodded at him, gently paddling her boat towards the shore. What's happened to her? She's not... The singer gestured towards the note in the lady's hands. Lancelot grasped it, shivering at the touch of icy skin. And then he read her final words. I have no family, no lover, and no will left to forge a new life alone, after having lost so much. After having seen my loved ones avenged at your hands, Sir Lancelot, my story is complete, except for this. You think you are alone too, but you are not, my good knight. You love a lady. I beg you, do not let anything stop you from loving her. I do not know who she is or why these obstacles have been placed in your path. But I know this. It is not life to wander alone when you need not. 
It is not life to always seek death. Be with her. Give her your love. To be alone thanks to fate is tragedy. But to choose loneliness, that is cruelty. To yourself and to your lady. Now, once you've read this, now my story is complete. Let my body go to its rest. Down the river, out to sea like the old men. I will join the elements and be alone no more. One day, we'll meet again amongst the glimmers of the sea. Lancelot grasped the letter to his heart, tears running down his cheeks. Then he stuffed it into his cloak and offered his hand to the singer. She wants to go like the old men. The singer nodded, climbing ashore. Together, they pushed the vessel back into the current. The Lady of Astolat floated down the river towards Camelot and the sea beyond. Lancelot watched her go until she disappeared around the bend, and then he followed after her, leaving the singer behind on the riverbank. Guinevere paced her chamber. Arthur had been gone for days, parlaying with a rebel lord. Half the knights were with him. Normally, she'd have insisted she go too. She was excellent at negotiations. But ever since Lancelot left Camelot, she'd felt so wrong. She'd find herself staring into the distance, her mind blank, as if she was only half herself. Every time she heard armor clink, her head jerked towards the sound. But each time, it was nothing. Because if it wasn't him, she couldn't bring herself to care. And yet, now he was here. Lancelot had returned to Camelot and immediately begged for an audience with her. She paced faster, trying to focus on that letter. Why does he return now after asking me to forget him? After writing those cruel words, does he think to toy with me? Clearly, he is not the man I believed, but I could still hear him out. I cannot let him treat me like this. Whatever he wants to say, I am a queen. More than that, I am Guinevere, and I will not have him turn my words against me. Guinevere threw herself onto her bed, stifling a scream in her pillow. She'd always known she had to take care of herself, along with her father's estate and vassals. It had never bothered her. She was good at it. But she had never had her heart broken before. Slowly, she pulled herself up. With shaking hands, she grabbed her handkerchief and dried the tears on her face. Then she walked to her looking glass. You will not let this break you. Whatever they take from you, however empty you feel, you will not break. Throwing a shawl over her head and taking a slow, deep breath, she reminded herself of the many things that she still had. A kingdom, a husband, an order of elite knights eager for her favor. She left her chambers for the garden air would do her good. It always did. She pushed open the door, ready to breathe in the fresh scent of grass and roses. 
Instead, there was something else. Familiar, instantly comforting, so perfect she could almost cry. The scent of Lancelot. Then she saw him. He stood with his back to a tree, facing away from her. As if sensing a change in the air, he turned suddenly and met her gaze. Guinevere, my queen, please don't go. Let me speak. I beg you. I know I did wrong, leaving without saying goodbye. Did wrong? Oh, Lancelot, I promised myself I'd make you pay for your cruel words. And, and I will, even if I have to pay too. Cruel words? I don't know what you mean. Merlin's cruel words, perhaps? A strange shadow flickered in the sunlight. It glistened like a million water droplets suspended in air. Mother! What are you doing here? Mother? What on earth? Uh, Adoptive mother. Guinevere, this is Nimue, Queen of the Feyfolk and Lady of Avalon. Guinevere stared open-mouthed at the odd, sparkling shadow. It was shaped like a woman, although an unnaturally tall one. As she watched, the shadow reached out to stroke Lancelot's cheek. My dear son, listen to me. You as well, young queen, for I cannot stay long in this form. It was Merlin who tried to tear you two apart. As long as you fight, as long as you reject one another, you play into his schemes. Merlin thought he knew what was best for Britannia. He passed you cruel words, Queen Guinevere, under the guise of my son's hand. You... you didn't write that letter? You didn't say there is no home for you here? Oh, Gwen, I would never! I should have stayed, said goodbye myself, if I hadn't been such a coward! There will be time for explanations later. I can't stay away from Avalon long, even in this form. But I wanted to give you two something. Hold out your hands. She beckoned the pair close. Her strange, semi-corporeal arms reached out. The water droplets sparkled, and a glint of gold fell from each hand onto the palms of Lancelot and Guinevere. These rings were forged in Avalon. They will keep you both safe and connected, even when you are apart. You are bound to one another by a magic far deeper than the laws of men. It is part of this land. It lives in the woods and rivers, and it lives in you. Remember, your fate is not yet decided. Preserve that which matters most, beauty and magic. Forget the plans of your elders. This is your time now. A moment later, Nimue was gone. Lancelot and Guinevere looked down at the rings in their hands and then at each other. A long moment passed, and then they fell into one another's arms. Guinevere pulled Lancelot up to her chamber once they saw that the coast was clear. Pushing the door shut, she leaned her back against it, looking at her lover with flashing eyes. I'm alive again, Lancelot. I've never been so alive. And I'm home. 
my darling Guinevere. I'm never letting you out of my sight again. <laughs> I'll have to quest again, you know. I am still a knight of the round table. And I'm still its queen. But for now, while Arthur's away at least, let's forget those silly obligations. Shouldn't we tell Arthur about us? It would be right. Oh, no, Lancelot. We mustn't. He'll never understand. This love, it has to be ours, alone. A secret. Like Nimue said, we have to preserve it. Now come here. As you command, my queen. After she delivered her message to the young lovers, Nimue returned to the dark grove where she'd left Merlin. She found the wizard just where she'd left him, but his condition had worsened. An enormous oak tree had grown up around him, closing his entire body within it. His legs were buried in the trunk, his arms caught within thick branches. Only his head and shoulders were still visible, emerging through a hollow that had not yet closed. He was slouched forward, seemingly dead to the world. But as Nimue approached, he lifted his head to face her. Uh, Nimue... You loved me once. I know you did. Even if none of that affection remains, then for the sake of what we had, don't. Don't let it end like this. How like a man you've become, Merlin. Seeing endings everywhere. But this needn't be the end. I will continue to fight for my people as I see fit. And when you've had time to think, Perhaps you'll join me. The hollow closed around Merlin, sealing him within. As the bark of the trunk sealed shut, the old wizard's head drooped in despair. Doom comes for Camelot. Fairies, lovers, witches, each with a role to play. And I can stop none of them. I have failed. Godspeed, Arthur. You're on your own now. As the Arthurian legends developed across medieval Europe, Chrétien de Troyes' courtly love affair between Guinevere and Lancelot turned into a sordid, sinful one. Merlin's prophecies of doom and retribution focus primarily on the issue of lust-based sin, embodied in Arthur's relations with Morgays and Lancelot and Guinevere's affair. But even after interest in courtly love faded from popular consciousness and the minds of writers, Christian values and sins did not twist the Arthurian legends entirely to their ends. The Celtic magic that animates Nimue and Lancelot permeates Arthur's Britannia through every adaptation, and with that magic comes an equally expansive set of moral lenses through which to examine Lancelot and Guinevere's love. 
Unfortunately, even when Lancelot and Guinevere's star-crossed love is celebrated rather than condemned, the couple almost always finds themselves embroiled in some very nasty problems. Perhaps it's destiny, or perhaps it's simply human nature. Put two forbidden lovers in a castle with one busy husband and an order of lusty knights, and sooner or later, you're bound to end up with chaos. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythology was written by Nora Battelle, edited by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Freddie Beckley. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Laith Walschleger, Nazi Tarsha, and Rebecca Thomas. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again for joining us for Mythology. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can catch me each week with my co-host Greg Polson on the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. You can also follow ParCast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to get updates from around our network, discover new ParCast series, and connect with a community of fans just like you. 